never heard of. Hey everybody, welcome to the Common Folk Podcast with Ben, Morgan, and Andy. Okay, here we go. Let's do it. Hello, hello. Next topic. First of all, I want to talk about these sweet new microphone stands we got. They are pretty nice. Uh, oh, I like the name, Mount It. Just noticed that. Oh, <laughs> I did. <laughs> I feel like... Where'd you find these? Uh, Amazon, duh. Oh. Oh. God. It's like the only place to buy anything anymore is Amazon, brother. Well, We're this on. is the second set, right? Uh, I mean, or is this yeah. number three? Yeah, well, technically number three. <laughs> I don't know what order... Um, these recordings will be released in, but we're on the third iteration of microphone stand holder. That's a that's a great pitch to the people out there listening. I mean, we are constantly improving up in our gear, and we're only in season one here, folks. Right. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, <laughs> So the first ones was just a regular stand. That kind of sucked. And then the second ones were some cheap-made thing that Chotchke, made squeaky. too much noise. Yeah. Yeah. They were they were not mounted. No, they no. weren't. Yep. <laughs> so now we're mounting it with these, and they're why, awesome. What do I feel like? There's a dance or something. It's like you know, I don't know. Uh, I guess we don't have a camera on right now. <laughs> no one wants to see me dance anyway. I'm not dancing. <laughs> it it does remind me. Uh, I do have a mount coming my way from the taxidermist. I'm getting my uh, whitetail buck Ooh, back here pretty oh, soon. Yeah. From last season? Uh-huh. Really I was just going to ask, how long does something like that take? Uh, well, this dude, he's one of the best. Uh, gosh dang it. Justin Jacket, shout out to you up in Verdigree, Nebraska. Uh, but he takes on about 150 uh, deer alone per year. And anytime, I've been told anytime he enters into a competition, he takes all the blue ribbons home. Like, this guy really? is good. Uh, and Kind of whatever. He might charge a lot, but he he's worth it. I, I will say that. And I've never had a mount done in all my years. All the deer I've shot, you haven't. I have not. This is going to be my first. So you must have been proud of that one. I really was, and the story behind it meant a lot too. Okay. Uh, we put a lot of time and effort, uh, not only cultivating the land, but building our food plots, uh, t- watching this deer grow for three years. We knew he was a four or five or six year old buck, mature, oh, wow. probably at the peak of you know what his antlers would be and how he would be able to perform and all that kind of stuff. So there's just so much that went into it. I mean, I was full of so much joy when I made that shot. I tackled our producer, our cameraman. <laughs> I just I was just so overjoyed with everything that came together. You know, it's amazing and just one shot, a split second, and all just came rushing. All comes together. So I'm really looking so forward. So you're gonna mount it. Yeah, give we're gonna. So where are you gonna put it? In the house or? Uh, well, in the man cave, in the ma- of course. I was just going to say, the garage, <laughs> what? Uh, I've actually been uh, piecing together our bar down in like the entertainment center, you know, down our basement. And I've left a couple of sections kind of open and bare because I want to put this deer up there and see what it looks like, see if we like it there. Uh, and then just kind of build around that see, and finish Sweet. out, you know, with the decor and all that stuff. So, so you're lucky that uh, as far as that goes that you can... You can do that. You can put it really wherever you want in your yeah. house because oh, you're, oh, oh, I wonder what you're talking about. <laughs> because your wife's behind it, right? Uh, you better believe it, but I don't want to get myself in trouble here. <laughs> I just don't want it in the living room. I don't know what to tell you. I wanted to put like my old gun above the front door. Yeah, you did, and I said no. I mean, why wouldn't you have that? Like sometimes you got people, you got 
I don't know. It's like the olden days. You got the intruders coming. You can see them across the field. You got to have the and gun. You got to grab the gun above the door and be ready. Yeah, the old 1894 yeah. I mean, trap door oh and then Springfield. You, yeah, you tell people that are quote unquote uncomfortable with that. No, it's just an old relic. It's just a piece of, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's an antique more right. than anything. It's a decorative Definitely. piece. Yeah. Uh, but it will bark mm-hmm. if, you know, you try to break in here. <laughs> I got a couple of buddies. Um, you know, they're big deer hunters and stuff, and they got to hang them in the garage. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you bad. couldn't put it in the basement. I just don't know that I want to come home <laughs> to, like, it looking at me. What I did like is I've seen just the bones. Right. That's I'm called a, kind of okay with that. Yeah, that's called a European mount, and okay. that's what I've always done. And I've gotten to the point where I kind of do it myself. And I put a little bit of a coat of uh, lacquer on it to bring it a real bright white uh, skull. And See, it is. It is. That it looks really like cool. That could be like work into the, I don't know, my taste. and. Hmm. You know, you could totally turn the tables here, Morgan. Be like, yeah, put the deer up there. And then you could like use that as part of your decorations. Like in the Christmas, put a Santa hat and a little red light on his nose. <laughs> you know, in March, put a green hat, Lucky Charms hat yeah, on him or something. Right. You know, you could really, well, you could always kind of turn the tables. First, there. you would have to get. <laughs> oh, oh, if we want to go there. Yeah, now we're, we are pulling out the big yeah. guns here. <laughs> here we go. Oh, you do have some fish and. Birds. And they get stuffed in the so, utility room. Yeah, they actually are. No, <laughs> uh, you know, looking at your guys as following your, you know, farm focused. Uh, your Twitter handle and everything else, the pictures from your trail cams. I'm excited for you guys. That's going to be cool. Yeah. I'm excited. I really, really (laughs) want to get a deer. There's some antlers out there, you know? There's antlers for sure. (laughs) I've never, I don't know if we've talked about this on here before, I've never been a deer hunter, not that I have anything against it. I just have never done it, never got into it. Really probably because it feels a little more exhausting to think about all the other things that I'm involved in. Right. And then, okay, shoot. I got, all right, I got to get the gun. We got to go. Yeah. We got to sight him in. We got to do all these things. Um, so I'm still learning a lot about them. But those deer that we're that we've been capturing on that cam down there, there's two of them that hang out together. Yeah, and they have very nice antlers. But I think they need to get a little bigger. They look like they need some weight on them. We'll have Garrett take a look at them because he's pretty good at aging them. And it's not an exact science, but he's going to get you within a year or two. Mm-hmm. You know and if it is only a three-year-old, he's going to say, let that guy grow up. Yeah. But if it's a six-year-old on the back end and there's some telltale signs, you know, his gut's hanging down oh. and his antlers are in the decline mode, he's going to say, you're going to want to clean him up. You're going to mm. want because he might not even make the winter yep. if he is six or seven years old. And yep. A lot of deer in this area, they are really old. They're mm-hmm. super mature and they're on the back end of their life. So those that's a perfect buck to kind of take, you know, those mature bucks that – you don't know. The antlers don't tell the full story. They tell a lot of it. Yeah. But there's so much that goes into it. And you brought up a great point. I've been going back and forth to this, especially when we're trying to bring in new hunters and kids and things like that. The barrier to entry, it just feels overwhelming. And where I usually go with it is you felt like you need to buy a $400 freaking upland vest. You need to buy a $2,000, you know, shotgun. And Man, it couldn't be further from the truth. And oh, you gotta buy a trail camera, you gotta do a food plot, you gotta buy a nice wrap. No, mm-hmm. all you need is a mentor, someone that is willing to take you out and kind of show you the ABCs, and a freaking two hundred dollar used Remington rifle will put you where you need to be. And I mean, if there's one message, and maybe that's for another podcast that I would like to get out there, it's that there's not all these barriers. That's part of our, for better or for worse, capitalist 
you know, market where, man, I'm trying to sell you anything and everything and make you believe that you need this in order to be a deer hunter. And that's not the case. Okay. Yeah, if you go and get on like all these forums that are out there and all the stuff that's yeah. going on, that's what you're going to see mm-hmm. is all the people oh, sharing. Yeah. I like, mean, the, I even said, like, we need some stuff. Yeah, I mean, the cool new yeah. gadgets and. Yeah. By the way, you guys do need a deer blind, and I was looking uh, at a two thousand yeah. dollar model. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, well, well that. with that, we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are we going to be getting after here today on topic? So, what we were chatting about a little bit beforehand here that we thought would be kind of fun to talk about is the Right to Repair Act, and there's a lot of specifics about this, but I don't know how many people that are listening to this are aware of it. But for me, um, what it boils down to is essentially electronics and software. Um, That's what most of the right to repair issues surround. So you've got equipment, you've got um, gadgets, you've got whatever else that have, you know, this tangible piece to them. So as an example, our phone, you know, it's sitting in front of us, Apple's involved in this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what's not tangible on the inside, what's making those things run, the software, is what these manufacturers do not want anybody to have access to. So the right to repair is a movement to give the consumer the right to repair their own things, the stuff that they feel like they own, the stuff that they bought. So in particular, what I, what I deal with on our business is agricultural equipment. Right. Uh, So the big agricultural manufacturers, combines, tractors, so on and so forth. um, Obviously they all have a lot of computers in them, a lot of software running that stuff. Mm-hmm. And getting folks who have bought those machines the right to be able to repair those for themselves because today they can't. Or isn't there even a way to, I mean, because who's making the most noise, I would say, are farmers, are ranchers that do want to just work on their own tractors. And there used to be kind of a go around where you could change your own oil. And I mean, in high school and college, you know, I always worked on a big farm uh, growing up. There was always one day a month where it was we shut everything down. We hosed everything down, aired it all out, and we changed the oil. And I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if farmers can do that anymore because the electronics won't allow them to do it. You have to take it into dealerships. You know, I'm not in the game like that like I used to be. I just hear things from different people and different yeah. companies, and you would know more about it than I would. But that's where I look at it like, man, if I'm a farmer, I should be able to change my own oil. You well, know? coming what? from someone that doesn't really know a ton, that seems crazy that a farmer – wouldn't be able to do that, change their oil. So what I can the, tell you is f- those basic things, that changing the oil, mm-hmm. changing your fuel filter, your air filters, yeah. uh, you know, these types of things are still, you still have that capability because that's still a mechanical process. So it all comes down to, is it something that you need to turn some wrenches or is it something that also involves programming okay. and plugging in a computer? So... Even with, you know, and, and with some machines, even with oil changes, you know, sometimes you've got to reset oil minders and things like that that tell you, hey, it's time to change it. Yeah. But on most of the ag stuff, it's still, you can still do that. Guys are still doing okay, that good. basic stuff. Okay, okay. Um, but what we're running into is breakdowns. And when things, there's parts that may need changed that then you need to go into the computer and tell the computer, hey, I changed this part. Mm-hmm. Reset these parameters. Or here's... Here's the identification number for this part to program into the computer so that the computer will recognize it and everything will run fine. So in order to do that, you need to have access to the computer. In -hmm. order to have access to the computer, you need to have their software and programs 
which they don't offer and they up. They own it. Yeah, they don't offer up. Okay. So that's what guys can't get. And if you don't have access to that, then you are just SOL. I mean, you got to take it into the dealership, whether it's your car, pickup truck, or tractor. Otherwise, it's going to sit there and not work for you. So your hands are kind of tied as a producer. You need that tractor or you need that piece of equipment, whatever it might be. Everything has a computer in it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do see where that could be an unfair advantage for whether it's John Deere, Case IH, whatever the case may be. And there's so many things at play for the growers, for the producers. Um, one is convenience and time. So, you know, there's a lot of stories out there that you can find of guys speaking out for this right to repair uh, where they're saying, you know, okay, I'm in the middle of harvest and my combine breaks down and so is everybody else. Mm -hmm. And my dealer's busy and they can't get to me. And now I'm sitting for two or three days and then we got a hailstorm, and I lost my crop, which I could have had out two days ago. Right. Like that would be kind of a a, a coincidence, a number of series of events, but that's possible. Sure. But regardless, any hour that you're not running is a big deal when you're covering a lot of acres. Oh my goodness, yes. I mean, think about when a when a railway goes down or gets washed out, just the amounts, the millions and billions of dollars that get pushed back or lost because all that commerce is, is gone. You know, you can't get that back. So I could definitely see that. I mean, on a smaller scale, if I'm a Farmer putting up hay. I put up a lot of hay, you know, in my day. day. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I just may. (laughs) But, uh, you know, when you get that first cut down, you got X amount of days. There's a window where you got to put that hay up. Otherwise, it starts to deteriorate on the ground. It also starts to kill the alfalfa or grass, prairie grass, whatever, underneath that. Mm -hmm. So, like, I could only imagine if I get two fields down and now I'm ready to roll. Now I need to rake. And I can't rake because that tractor is down, and it's a it's a stupid computer deal where the tractor seems to be working fine, but I can't even turn it on. I can't even get the radio on because something's wrong with the black box or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And the other side of it is dollars, which I think is really, for these manufacturers, I mean, if I'm being honest and, and they're not, that's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. So It's not about control? Well, it's about control, but to be able to control the money— and okay. their and their income because they want the business they don't if, yeah if you if you've got an issue that only the manufacturer can repair i mean they've got a monopoly on that yeah, so sure. that's who you have to call that's who you have to wait for they are charging you trip time they're charging you the amount of hours they're being there yeah their labor rates are most likely higher than anybody else's labor rates in terms of like some small town repair shop sure so for the farmer producer it's a higher repair bill as well, and they have no choice. Yeah, I, I heard a story where just the pickup alone, as you said, was over a thousand bucks, and it's like, God, if I could have just pulled that out, yeah. reprogrammed it, and put it back in myself, which I feel I could figure out. You know, watch a YouTube video, right? <laughs> I right. could have just just on the travel alone, them, you know, sending out a trailer and hitching it up and taking it in it was a thousand freaking dollars, and to take it back out. And really, where it's at is. Uh, where most people could probably relate that aren't involved in agriculture is your everyday vehicle. You know, Mm -hmm. your truck, your car, whatever it is. Um, My Vespa. Your Vespa, yeah. (laughs) Right. Your your Prius. (laughs) When you got to go get your Prius worked on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So you've got the dealership that you bought that thing from, and you can take it back to them if you want to, but you don't have to. Right. You could take it to whatever Mm -hmm. Joe Schmo shop, 
Bob's garage. Yeah. You, you know. Right. Um, and if you find the right mechanic and all those kinds of things, that's a whole other conversation. But you're going to get just as good a service. You're going to get just as good a repair. And those guys have the ability to do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Because in the automotive world, that's all that's all been decided that the dealers can't hoard all that. Right. So these smaller shops need to have access to it. So these sm- smaller shops own the equipment and the, the computers and the machinery they need to mm-hmm. be able to work on these things. And that's, as far as a vehicle goes, that's front to bottom. It doesn't matter if you've got engine trouble, if you've got brake trouble, if you've gotten an accident, any of that stuff. Everything always needs reprogramming, and that's why all these smaller shops can do all that. Oh, you're exactly right. That reminded me. I had some tire work done on my truck you know, a couple of years ago, and I took it to a tire place. I didn't take it to the dealership, and they mentioned that, that, oh, we got all the new software for for this style of truck and these tires. I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? He's like, oh, yeah, there's sensors in there, and there's batteries, these battery packs. Like, in the tires? He goes, yeah, and each one costs X amount of dollars, just the sensor alone. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but I didn't even think of that at the time, that how you, those two are kind of the same thing. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I mean, from a repair standpoint, so I used to work in, in the uh, body repair industry, mm-hmm. and it was getting to the point where when I was moving on that something as simple as, so if you take, say uh, say a car gets hit in the driver's door and that door needs to be replaced and it broke a bunch of stuff inside that door. Mm-hmm. There's a, a lot of motors inside that door, running your locks, running your window, running your mirrors, all these kinds of things. So one of those motors gets blown out, let's say it's the window motor, and you got to put a new one in. You have to get into the main computer of that car and program to tell it, hey, I put in a new window motor. Recognize it. Yep. And that window motor has its own little individual identification number. So you have to program into the computer, here's the identification Mm -hmm. number. And until you do that, even though it's a brand new part, you can put it in, you can plug Mm -hmm. it in, you can hook it all up, it won't work. Until that computer recognizes that you've told it, this has been installed. No longer is that old ID number in here. So those are the kind of things that are being done. And the the independent shops have access to that. So well, that's the point. And I would never know that, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, we just took a car in the last week. You know, there's so many things that go into it. So, okay. it's It's all changed so much that, yes, you, you, you need to go to a shop. You need to go to someone that has this stuff. But then when it comes down to a point where only the manufacturer has it, which is what we're dealing with in agriculture. That seems yeah. crazy. And that's next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, one thing I like about quote-unquote, Bob's Garage. Let's call it Bob's Garage. Uh, he can work on a Ford. He can work on a Chevy, this or that. And most farmers out there, they're not just all green or red. You know, they got a blend of equipment. So if you find a guy, if you find a garage or a repair shop you like, you could take your John Deere in there. You could take your Case IH in there. And that is not the case right now with the way things are going with this Right to Repair Act. Uh, and I think there's a little bit of misconception in some of the, the arguments that you read online where, uh, where you know, these, these folks who are running their own farms are saying, hey, we need to be able to work on our own stuff. I don't see every individual farm going out and buying ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 worth of computer equipment to work no, on their own stuff. No, absolutely not. I mean, there'll be some that will, but what needs to happen is these independent repair shops in their area need to have access to that. Right. Yes. Because you get out to some of these small towns that, you know, I mean, you've driven through, you drive through them all the time, <laughs> where you're two, three hours away from a deer dealership or a, or a case dealership or whoever. Yeah. And there can be a small guy there that's working on all that stuff that can take care of everybody in his area. Mm-hmm. 
And, and couldn't they still get some throwback? Well, their throwback you know, is going to be mean, that, that be the that. manufacturers are going to sell the software and the equipment to, to that shop. The middleman or whatever. And then, and it. just like automotive, I mean, they're going to figure out how to monetize this. So there's going to be a yearly subscription. There's going to be updates. There's going to be right. all these things oh, that yeah. that shop is going to constantly be paying for. Mm-hmm. So there's still going to be that steady stream of income to the manufacturer. Right. But it's obviously going to be less because they're not doing the work anymore. So then what's the big deal? I mean, the big like, deal really is well, that I mean, they're going to be simple, making less money. <laughs> I know. I mean, well, yes, but, but they're still making money. It just. It's, but they okay. want to double that money because, yeah. yeah, I buy a $50 part. I All expect right. to spend $50 in labor, don't I? I mean, yeah. or more. Yeah. yeah. And so they don't want to be cut out. Uh, it just seems know. wrong. It seems like they're doing farmers wrong. Now, could I stand up for the wrong people here for a minute? Just to give the flip side because I always like to try and put myself in the other person's shoe. And I think it's pretty transparent to me anyway that, yes, they're after control. They want to build that extra side of it. They want not only the part but the service fee to go along with it. But you know there's stories out there uh, where a guy put in a part wrong and it kind of turned that piece of equipment into a dangerous piece of equipment, whether it's not an automatic shutoff or whatever. And if you search Google, you're going to see some terrible stories of – well, this guy put his own, you know, brake pads in or, you know, the, the computer that controlled the brakes and this and that or whatever the case may be. Uh, I've seen it with um, uh, ir- pivots, big those big irrigation units that you see and make that half circle yeah. or full circle uh, in a cornfield where a guy one day said, I know how to do it. And so he put it in himself and the dang thing didn't stop. So it actually just kept rolling Across the car, across the highway, across the fence, you know. No way. Oh, yeah, until it ran into the power line. So now we have a big old metal <laughs> sprinkler system crashed into the power lines. I mean, so you can see the good the good argument that they're making. It's just that the consumer feels, and I feel rightfully so, they might be taking a little too far. Yeah. It's it, the number one thing that you read, the opposition to the right to repair from the manufacturers is safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point, there, there, some of that is valid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they can probably, I mean, we're talking about software, so they can put in controls where there would be some things that, you know, would be safety issues that people just couldn't do if it was a true safety issue. Yeah, or you auto know. shut off, or people would understand that too. Uh, yeah, and I mean, just know? from a programming standpoint, like there would be things that they could program in certain parameters that you can't bypass, and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. I mean, that's got to be able to be possible. Um, but for sure, I mean, everything needs to stay stay safe. The manufacturers don't want to get in any kind of lawsuits. Sure, totally but I- agree with that. I would think this would almost be beneficial in some aspects to the manufacturer as if you do any little thing, change the oil, we'll say, in your tractor, and that absolves us of all, you know, right. the responsibility if, you know, something were to happen or go bad. Well, you took out the black box, and even though it shouldn't have mattered with the brakes or whatever, that's off our plate now, that you take on uh, that liability now. That's that's so out is that of here. like avoiding the warranty or something like you kind avoid of. your warranty yeah. in the car. I, mean, I would. Yeah, I mean the thing is, and and, and again back to the to the automotive um, uh, scenario. If something's under warranty, you're only taking it to the dealer anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's free. Why would you not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you want to keep your warranty going. 
So in those scenarios, like, yeah, these, these uh, growers out in the field, if they have trouble, they're probably going to wait the couple of days because it's still under warranty. You and know, it's saving them some money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's saving them money. You know, the time thing still sucks, but it's under warranty. They don't want to lose their warranty. These are half a million dollar machines. So they want to keep, they want to stay within those rules. Right. And we kind of touched, you know, we talked on it off air there just a little bit. You can really see the rub you know, from both sides, especially on the ag side, uh, even the automotive side. But uh, farmers, uh, people don't talk about it, but they got some good lobbyists out there, real yeah. good lobbyists. Yeah. Uh, so does John Deere. So does Case IH. And these two parties are working against each other on this, where in every other facet, they're working with each other. So, and a farmer, he needs his equipment. And obviously, the those equipment, those producers that you know, manufacturer that uh, equipment, whether it's a baler, a tractor that pulls a baler, they need the farmers. Right. So you can, you can just see how everyone's together. so, yeah, yeah, but it's, man, it's tough. I want to make my, I want to make my money or I want to save my money. <laughs> so know? why is this now becoming such an issue for someone that doesn't know? Because I don't like, I mean, it's been an issue. It, what is, why is it now pressing right now? I mean, why is it kind of a bigger topic than it has been in the past? I think it's, it's just, just coming, coming to head. Yeah, I think it's just coming okay. to a head because I just didn't know if something happened or like if I'm missing something or is not it just that, getting yeah. okay? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, it's it, this talk has been going on, um, if, at least for what I know, what what we've been how we've been involved in it for the last five six years, and it's probably been going on before that. Okay. Um, and there's been a lot of things going on in the background and and. It's kind of cool from everything that I've read and that I've been involved in, really Nebraska's been heading it up mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. You know, there's folks here, legislators here. That why is that? Yeah, yeah it's blue okay. collar. It's I want to take care of myself, take care of my own. I, I think that's a kind of just a Midwest mindset, if you will, where yeah. I, even I'm kind of embarrassed right now that I have someone else change oil in my truck. Like that just was something I did in middle school, high school, up until whatever, 15, 10, you know, 20 years ago where I felt it was actually cheaper for me to just go to the garage and have somebody else take care of my truck. And it's kind of embarrassing for me to admit that. It really is. But uh, It's probably a time thing, too. Yeah, right? yeah, it's a time thing. I love my family, and I want to spend as much time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. But, yeah, well, you know you can do it. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting to me because I don't know a ton about this, but as we're sitting here talking about it, it just seems a little bit crazy that they yeah. can't do that if growers want to do that themselves. I just think the powers that be, we'll say the manufacturers, the equipment manufacturers, they're just taking a little too much. They've taken too much mm-hmm. to where it's come to a head. And Vilsack, you know, Secretary of Ag, he was supposed to make a statement, you know, just a little while ago. And I think it was kind of crickets on this issue. It was like, oh, yeah, we'll get to that when we get to that. And it's like, nah, you know, we're, we've really been pushing for this yeah. and we want some resolution here. Uh, but, you know, our government's always kind of been good at kicking the can down the road. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It, it What's, you know, kind of the evolution is that what companies have been producing and manufacturing has always been like a tangible product. And now um, a lot of times what the product is is the software. You know, mm-hmm. it's something that you can't see, something that you can't touch necessarily. Um, so they're trying to protect that. Yeah. You know, is what comes down to it because they can get um, 
you know, patents and stuff on some specific design of a piece of equipment or some feature on it or whatever the case may be. And they're trying essentially to do the same thing to lock down that software Mm -hmm. that no one can look at it. No one can copy it. No one can touch it. No one can modify it. Um, so in a way that's kind of what they're trying to do. The thing is, is again, I mean, you go back to the automotive industry, the automotive industry got past this a while ago, you know, Mm -hmm. and yeah, GM's not getting sued for some repair that, you know, small town shop is doing. Right. And again, most people, if it's in warranty is having the manufacturer work on it. And then when it's out of warranty, now they're trying to find their own shop or they're Mm -hmm. trying to do it themselves. Or... I mean, I feel like that's just such an added advantage. You get this warranty, so you're going to the dealership. And if you really like that dealership and you like those people and you trust those people, you build that relationship, you'll go back there. Then you stay. Yeah, you'll stay. So they're getting this free shot of uh, being under the warranty if something goes wrong to have that guy be a customer on the service side as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, another, you know, that might speak (laughs) volumes uh, to the other side uh, of that service, you know, so uh, there's a lot going on there. I mean, are there people right now that are doing services on these machines that aren't the Independent manufacturers? Shops? Yeah, uh, like there are, yeah. Mm-hmm. And those guys are under flying under the radar, or people? Yeah. So obviously- what's happening yeah. today? So I mean, the truth be told, is that. Um, you know, if you went out to one of these small town shops, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, this software, as you would expect, just like any other software, has been pirated. Okay. So these guys are figuring out ways to to buy this software that they mm-hmm. need, spending five, ten thousand dollars whatever. Sure. Um, it's definitely coming from outside of the U.S., and they're installing it on their laptops, and they're using that to work on these machines. And it's working? For the most part. Okay. A lot of it is out of necessity because they need that's what now. they need to do to make this yeah. stuff work. Right. And and a lot of it, too, is out of, you know, uh, these guys just trying to run a business. And, and their hands are tied into the only, I mean, again, I guess necessity, the only option they have to get that. Man, and I can relate to that because, you know, I'm from a very small town. You know, when people say small town, they think 50,000, 100,000 people. No, No, I'm from a town of like 500. And the big town, quote unquote, uh, where there was a John Deere dealership had a population of less than 3,000. And that was about an hour drive away. So, I mean, yeah, I need the guy that has the shop in town that can get out there and get, you know, my tractor back up and running. In, or, in order for me to put this crop up or whatever it might be. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, like you said, they, those guys need that. They need that option, and it's 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 driving people to do. You know, technically, right now, that's not, as far as I know, that's not illegal. You know, getting that pirated mm-hmm. software and those kinds it's of things. It's not. But no. But they want it to be. Uh, right. They don't want you to be able to do that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but someone, you know, in one place or another has hacked the system and and made the software available. Right. So like technically then it's probably not prudent to call it pirated, (laughs) right? Because otherwise wouldn't that just straight up be It does kind of feel like it. Yeah. yeah. You know, (laughs) but they have, but the thing is, is that there's all these like protections and stops and firewalls and all this stuff in place to not be able to get it. You know, Mm -hmm. I think you would have to be a pretty dang good, uh, computer. Yeah person 
dude to, yeah to hack through that stuff but um but yeah so that's what they've done so that it's it's created that market you know so there's a yeah. lot of money flowing that way and then another thing that's happened um to try to make it even a little clearer is that uh the manufacturers have created like real time kind of codes and responses in their software to make stuff work. So in order to make it work, you may have this machine, you may have this laptop plugged into your equipment and you're trying to do something. Mm -hmm. And in order to go to the next step, you need to get some kind of code from the manufacturer mm -hmm. to go to that next step. So obviously these guys with the pirated software, there's certain things that they still can't do because obviously they're not connected to, to the, the home base. The real time. And are and are not having that communication like the actual service technician that works for that manufacturer is having. So you're trying to do something and it's like, okay, well, you need authorization. You need this code to do this, whatever. And they have to generate like a one-time code or whatever to send it. That's the easiest way to figure explain it. Out. it. Yeah. yeah, and figure yeah. it out and bypass that, basically. You yeah, know, which come up it, with the password and right, and they're having trouble doing that kind of thing with some with some wow. of these services. So there still yeah. is some stuff that they can't do because they need that real time communication with. They're just locking the home it down base. more, right? And harder. And yeah. you know, this is another case, just like the service side. I feel like this whole thing could have been dodged, uh, the piracy and all this a knockoff software, we'll call it, if. It would have just been available, and they would have just figured it out from the get-go, how to mm -hmm. share it, monetize it, and make it available to Bob's Garage. But, yep. man, they are protecting it to nail here. That would just be too here. easy. <laughs> Wouldn't it, though? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you mentioned, I, I wrote it down real quick. Uh, you brought that up, and it reminded me of something I heard the other day. It was just kind of fascinating and kind of funny. Uh, you mentioned the motor in a door that was you know, responsible for rolling up a window. Everybody under that was born after the year, I don't know, 1999, doesn't even understand what that even means, what the reference to rolling a window <laughs> is, rolling yeah. a window no. up. But we all just say it without even thinking rolling, about it. Yeah. yeah, you know, the old, yeah. the old, roll yeah, the old ever had to roll up, you yeah. know. But, yeah, people just say that nowadays and have no idea yeah. what that actually used to mean. I never really thought about that. Me either, because I guess you would technically need to say now – Put your window up, or like switch up the window, switch, or something. Yeah, yeah. Switch up, switch it down, switch Talk, down that window. <laughs> Toggle switch that up. <laughs> Funny, yeah. Good catch there. Yeah, yeah it's changed for sure. Oh, um, the good old days. So yeah, and we've talked a lot about these uh, these ag manufacturers and what they're trying to do, but we touched on it earlier too. You've got companies like these phone companies, these phone manufacturers that are behind it, mm -hmm. big time. Like okay. they're lobby, lobbying every bit as much as the big ag guys are. Um, it, everyone has seen, if you've gone into town, some kind of like iFixit. Yeah, iFix store or <laughs> yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah. Those, that's the equivalent to the small town ag repair shop. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, a big one that, that I've run into that I just cannot work around, period is one a large drone manufacturer. We do a lot of videography and you can't beat a drone shot sometimes. Like you mm -hmm. just can't. It yeah. adds a whole another dimension uh, to the video you're producing. And there's one of the bigger manufacturers is based out of China and man, forget it. If any little thing goes wrong, buy a new one or send it overseas. Mm -hmm. They'll look at it and send it back and say, you should just buy a new one after charging all that stuff. So I mean it's 
uh, I didn't even think about that being a, a right to work kind of situation, but that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. If you can't do it yourself, and and if there's if there's something that you need to do it, some kind of tool, some kind of software, some kind yep. of device that you are not allowed access to, I mean, there it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you need. They're fighting for the right to be able to repair your own stuff. Yeah, and I took it to a couple of repair shops. And they're like, oh, with that company. That's uh, going to be tough. We can get you some parts, like you said, mm-hmm. probably pirated mm-hmm. <laughs> parts. Right. And maybe they'll work, maybe they won't, but we won't touch it because we can't guarantee we'll, we'll be able to fix it. Yeah. So yeah. there you have it. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so we've, we've jumped around a lot on this, but one of the other things I had here was uh, we talked about Nebraska, Nebraska heading it up. I wasn't able to find it. I searched a little bit, but I, I did hear just for everyone's um, – everyone's benefit that I swear it was sometime last year, California passed a version of this that uh, did actually give some concessions to the manufacturers and, and more than certainly I would like to see and any, anybody around here would like to see. It really mm. gave them uh, a good leg up on this whole fight. So when that happened, everyone was kind of thinking like, oh, crap, man, this is going to spread across the country, but it, it hasn't so far, so that's been good. And Nebraska's still fighting, and I think we're pretty close to uh, – to give the right to the to the owners to the Good. to the farmer mm-hmm. to the to the producer to the rancher yeah and you so know this, that's not always surprising california so progressive yeah <laughs> yeah so this is a state to state thing this isn't going to be it can't it's not across the board yeah it's a state to state thing right now okay wow yeah it's going to and I believe it already has on a couple of cases hit the Supreme Court. You'd think that's where this has to head, mm-hmm. has to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can already see that if I'm in California and uh, even if I voted for it because I'm pro whatever this or that, I'm just going to skip across the border to Washington. Yeah, that's what people are going to do. <laughs> and have Bob's Garage. Mm-hmm. If there's a Bob's Garage out there, you know, this is all on us. So you get a free shot out <laughs> all the Bob's garages. Out. Right, exactly. But that's what I'd do. I'd go from California, skip over if I'm close enough, and have Bob's garage take a look at it. <laughs> There's got to be a Bob's garage somewhere. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty well the gist of that. I think, um, like we've talked about as we go through this, uh, all these different episodes, we, t- we you know, we touch on these topics, and we're certainly not the experts. It's what, what we're hearing and what we're involved in, and we'd like to bring people in. So at some point, it'd be really cool if we could get somebody in that yeah. is more versed on this than us, because yeah. I'm sure there's a lot we could learn. Well, and, and I can't wait to see the message board, you know, under, when we post these mm-hmm. and get these out there, because you know, like you said, there's going to be people that have more experiences than we do with this uh, or might be really tuned into it. So I'm interested to see and hear the feedback. Yeah. I think the bottom line for me, you know, when you talk about agriculture, and again, it's, you know, it's these phone manufacturers, there's a lot of other people involved, but in agriculture, being involved in it and going out to some of these shops, some of these facilities that we see that these guys own and Mm -hmm. the equipment that they own and the capabilities that they have, I mean, there's nobody more ready to work on their stuff than these guys. Yeah. Like some of these facilities are just state-of-the-art facilities. So when somebody tries to tell me that, you know these guys can't do that because they're <laughs> they're going to make something unsafe and you know yeah right it, it's it's just a bunch of crap and then I go back to this you know it's just a money grab so mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's a little it's a little too blatant and obvious and like you said yeah there's a lot of shops out there especially if a guy has 
we'll say five combines or more, he's going to have two full-time mechanics mm-hmm. on the payroll, mm-hmm. and that, those two guys are usually doing nothing but shop time. They come in and do repair work in the shop, so don't give it to me. Don't that, give re- me that. that reminds me of one, one last thing before we close out is another kind of hot topic that the manufacturers are using is that they – claim they spend more time in dollars in factory training their technicians and they're the most qualified technicians and so on and so forth. They're the only ones that should be touching this stuff. Mm-hmm. And while I get that, the only way that that's true is that if they are holding back information that they're not allowing like the tech schools oh, and yeah. whoever else to be able to teach. So you're kind of stepping on your own dick there, aren't right? You? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what, what are you what are you guys doing here? Yeah. Like, are you choosing not to share with people how this works? And that's probably all part of this right to repair as well. And the fact is, being on the ground in real life is that the majority of these technicians that work for these manufacturers end up getting so tired of them and the way that the stuff works. And yes, they're factory trained and so on and so forth. But now they're the one one of those two guys that's working for that guy with five combines. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. So the, yep. these boys got it, mm-hmm. you know. No doubt. Well, I learned a lot. Yeah. The more you know. How's that little jingle? Uh, the more you know. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons. We already had that episode. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, where yep, is he we did. going with this? <laughs> we did. With the, yeah. ra- the rainbow and everything. Yes. Else. yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'm following. Yep. I'm following. Yep. A little slow. A little slow. Oh, I think we had a good talk today. Good yeah. discussion. Good info. Like yep. I said, learned a lot. Thanks for educating us, Ben, Andy. Ben's the man. He's the one that was in the middle of it there. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Until next time. All right. Later. See See ya.